If you have your Bible with you, which I hope you have a real Bible with you, that would be awesome. Uh, find the book of Galatians, chapter 6, is where we're going to be um, studying this morning. And uh, if you've got a Bible app, if you've got something else other than the device that you're watching on, you pull it up on your Bible app. It's Galatians chapter 6. That's in the New Testament. It's right after 2 Corinthians and right before Ephesians. Um, if you have followed with us and tracked with us in the past couple of Sundays, um, we've been talking about the cross. And we've been talking about how uh, that it is central to the gospel. And there's some important things that we've learned about the cross of Jesus. First, we, we saw that the cross doesn't make sense to the world. That it is foolishness, Paul says, to those who are without faith, to those who don't believe. It sounds like the craziest story ever. But our understanding of such a, a, what seems to be a crazy outlandish story is not what gets us to the cross. It's not our understanding of how and why God would do what he says he's done. It's our faith in believing it, even though, even though we can't comprehend it and can't understand it. So our understanding as we hear the gospel, it will take us so far, but then at some point we have to lay down our desire to try to understand and, and let our faith take over. And faith is what brings us uh, to salvation. And so first we said that we are saved by grace through our faith in the cross, not through our understanding of the cross. The second thing that we talked about that was last week was that the debt of our guilt before God is too huge. It's too great for any of us to ever be able to pay on our own. But in what Jesus did on the cross, the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, that God offers us a paid in full for the account of debt that we owe him. It is it is like a $10 trillion debt that we would never, ever be able to pay back on our own. But Paul said that the certificate of debt has been erased by the blood of Jesus on the cross. Jesus' work on the cross is the only thing that can bring us from spiritual death to spiritual life. And, and remember we said that the gospel is not about making bad people good. It's about making dead people alive spiritually. And, and the blood of Jesus on the cross is the only thing that's powerful enough to do that. And the cross frees us from the guilt and, and from the, the power of sin and death over us. And so uh, that's what we talked about last week. So this morning, uh, we're going to discover another truth about the cross. And I think this truth is also one that blocks many people from being saved. I think this is a truth that so many people can't wrap their minds around. And this is what hinders them from having a, a real salvation experience, a, a, a real relationship with the Lord. Um, because it's something that's really hard for many people to let go of. So I want you to look in Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 12. I'm going to be reading from uh, the CSB, but you follow along in your Bible, whatever translation you're using, and let's read that together. Galatians 5, beginning in verse 12, it says, Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised. 
but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, and yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world, for both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. Now, Paul is writing here in the book of Galatians to the Christians who, who there were lots of churches in this Roman province that was known as Galatia. And he's writing this letter to all of these churches in this area. And there's a lot of confusion going on in the church at this time when Paul is writing. There's a group of people within the church who came to be known as Judaizers. And these were Jews who had come to believe in Jesus, but they still considered it necessary to continue all of the Mosaic law and all of the rabbinical law. These were the ones who said, yes, we believe in Jesus as the Messiah, but if you want to believe in Jesus as the Messiah and you want to be saved by God, you also have to continue following all of the Mosaic law and all of the rabbinical law. They believed that basically everybody, all of the Gentiles who were not Jews, had to formally convert to Judaism before they could be saved. And specifically, the sign that Paul is talking about here was circumcision. That was a sign of the covenant with the Jews. Now, if, if, if you're with your family right now and you're sitting in the living room with your kiddos and, and your kiddos go, well, what is circumcision? Um, I'll, let, I'll let mom and dad handle that, but kiddos, what I want you to know is all you really need to know at this point is that it was a physical sign of the, the covenant between God and Israel. Okay, it was something. It was a it was a physical mark, a physical distinction, that that set them apart from everybody else. Okay, so um, these Judaizers in the church at this time were were coming in, and as these Gentiles who were not Jewish had had not followed the laws of of the rabbis and of Moses, and they were coming into the church, they were believing in Christ. And, and these Judaizers were saying, well, that's great. You can, you can, you can be a Christian with us, but you've got to go back and, and make yourself a Jew like us before you can really be saved by God. And so this is what Paul is addressing here. And this was a debate um, very much in the, in the, in the early church. Uh, if you go back to Acts chapter 15 and you read Acts 15, you can read, where the church literally had to come together and say, hey, we've got to address this issue. And the apostles came together um, and, and addressed it as a false teaching because there was lots and lots of disagreement going on. And so Paul is writing to these Christians in, in, in Galatia the truth. He's trying to explain to them what is really true and that what these Judaizers are telling them is not true. Um. Even though circumcision um, isn't a faith issue for us, there's a false teaching here 
that can still creep into the church today. Even though circumcision is not really anything that we debate about now, this same, the heart of that false teaching is something that still creeps into the church. And it, and it creeps into the church in different forms. And I think it can confuse a lot of people. And it can confuse a lot of people even right now. And it can keep them from coming to know the Lord. It can keep them from, from coming to the cross and salvation. So there's four verses there that we read. We're going to break them apart. And we're going to look at the first two and then the last two. The first two, Paul is explaining the false teaching of the Judaizers. He's, he's saying this is... This is what is, uh, this is what they're doing, and this is why it's false. And then in the last two, he talks about why the cross makes what the Judaizers Judaizers are teaching a false doctrine. It's a false gospel. So let's look at verses twelve and thirteen really quick, and let's see what what were they teaching and why what was wrong with it. Galatians six verse twelve and thirteen. Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, and yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. So Paul is is characterizing these Judaizers and he calls he says that they are the ones those who want to make a good impression in the flesh in other words he's saying these judaizers primary concern is to put on a good face they want they want to look good to everybody else and you say well well what's wrong with that what's shouldn't we as christians want to look good to everybody else um yeah but but the key is is in how paul says they're doing it he says that they want to make a good impression in the flesh. That's it, in the flesh. They want to make a good impression by their own abilities, by what they can do, by what they can show to everybody, basically proclaiming their own self-righteousness to everybody. They're wanting to do it in the flesh, in their own ability. And so their primary goal was to make themselves look good in the eyes of the other people in the church based on their performance. And they had a specific strategy for that. And it's in verse 12. He says they're compelling you to be circumcised because they want to make a good impression in the flesh by insisting that everybody do what they do. In this case, it's circumcision. So he says, they're wanting to put on a good face to everybody. And they want to do it based on their own flesh, their own performance, their own um, form of godliness. So the way they do that is by insisting that everybody else do the same thing that they're doing. So here's the first lie that the Judaizers were believing and that people still believe today. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, here's a, here's a point. This is the lie that they were putting out. The more I can convince others to copy me, the more correct I become. And I'll say that again so you can get that down and, and take it in. The more I can convince others 
to copy me or be like me, the more correct I become. You see, the more people who buy into a lie, the easier it is to convince people that that lie is true. Um, the more people you can get, if, if you have a perspective, you have an opinion, uh, you have a stance on something, um, regardless of whether it's true or not, the more people you can get to follow you, the more people you can get to agree with you, the more it legitimizes your own opinion and your own actions in your own mind. And Paul says, this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to make themselves look good by getting everybody they can on their bandwagon. And the more people they can get to believe them and follow what they say, the more right they think they are. Um, they wanted others to pursue their righteousness instead of God's righteousness. They wanted people to pursue, look at me, look at, look at what I've done, and you should model your life after me. <laughs> um, and the more that people modeled, them, modeled themselves after the Judaizers' righteousness, the more the Judaizers felt righteous. And, and that should make sense to us. Um, it makes what they had already done which Paul is going to say now is completely unnecessary. It doesn't mean anything. But it made them feel like what they did um, counted, that, that, it, that it was worth something. When Paul is about to explain to the church, it really isn't worth anything. And it says they were motivated by their pride, and they were trying to avoid persecution, verse, verse 12 says. Um, and... The reason they, the persecution they were trying to get away from was the persecution from other Jews. Because if the, if the Jews, uh, these Judaizers had said, oh, well, you know, now with the new covenant of the cross, because of the cross of Christ, circumcision really doesn't matter. Then the other Jews would have um, lashed out against them. And they didn't want that. And so rather than, than stand on the truth, of what God was saying through the apostles, they chose to do what made the other religious Jews happy. And this kind of problem still exists in the church today, folks. And it is a false doctrine, and it is a false doctrine called legalism. That is what Paul is addressing in the church at Galatia. And unfortunately, Legalism is still alive and well. It's still a part of the church. And if you want to know, well, how do I, how do I identify legalism? Here's how you identify it. Ready? Here's another point um, to take note of. Legalism happens when we place the rules of God ahead of our relationship with God. Legalism is when we put the rules of God ahead of our relationship with God. Now, I'm, I'm going to kind of call us out here. There's a difference between what the Judaizers were doing and between the legalism that we get caught up in. Um, the rules that the Judaizers in, in Galatia were holding on to at one point was a part of the covenant they had with God. It, it was a standard 
and a commandment that the Lord gave them. But here's the, here's the difference, y'all. Most of the things that we as believers today become legalistic about are things that we can't find in the scriptures at all. Most of the time, the things that we get legalistic about are things that we make up on our own. They're, they're our own rules. We can let our preferences become legalism. We can let our traditions become legalism. And those things aren't in the scriptures at all most of the time. They're ideas. They're things that make us comfortable, things that we have experienced our entire life, and we hold on to those more tightly than we hold on to the actual relationship that we have with the Lord. And we turn into these people. We turn into the Pharisees. We're legalists. Um, And everything that drives legalism in our mind, in our hearts, and in our churches is driven by pride. When you when you break it down, the the core seed of legalism is pride. It's pride and it's arrogance. You have to be like me. You have to follow Jesus the way I follow Jesus. You have to follow the rules that I've followed. So this is what was happening in the church. And and you can probably think of instances where you've run into that sort of thing. And, and I can think of lots of stories and, and things over the years as, as the church has moved from one generation to the next. Uh, we've been guilty of that. We've been guilty of holding on to, to legalistic uh, rules uh, that, that have no basis in Scripture at all. They only have their basis in our preferences and our traditions. And so Paul is addressing, for them it was circumcision. For us it can be a whole list of things. So look again at verse 13. He says, and this is another sign of legalism. Verse 13, for even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, and yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. He says the Judaizers don't even want to just boast in their own flesh. They want to boast in in not just what they're doing, but in what you're doing. Um, There was such a hypocrisy in the legalism of that day, and there's such hypocrisy in legalism today. Paul is saying they put the burden of the law on you when they don't even keep the law themselves. Um, And that is true. What, what, What legalistic Christians can do is we can take one thing, and become so, um, like so committed to that one thing, whether uh, whether we think it's biblical or or not. So most of the time, it, it, lots of times, it's not even in the Bible. But we can become so uh, committed to that that we forget all of the other laws of God that we're breaking. In in trying to hold on to this, we're dishonoring and disregarding so much. Of the other things, so many of the other things that the scriptures are teaching us. And so here's an example. I want to take you back to Galatians 5. If you've got your Bible with you and you want to flip back just a little bit, go back to chapter 5 and look at verses 2 through 6 with me real quick. This is just another example. This is the same letter, same group of people that he's writing to. Look at chapter 5, verse 2. He says, take note. 
I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Whoa. Verse 3, again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to do the entire law. So let's stop right there for a second. Paul is saying that if keeping the law is a part of your salvation, then it has to be all of your salvation. Um, and the cross is not going to be of any benefit to you at all. If you are trusting in your ability to follow part of God's law to get you a relationship with him, then guess what? You're going to have to trust in following all of the law to get a relationship with him because that's the only way the law is going to reconcile you to God. And if you're trusting in a little bit of the law, you better trust in all the law. And if you're trusting in the law, then the cross is of no benefit to you. It does you no good. You've literally taken the good news out of the gospel. But look at what he says after, after that in verse 4. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. And you have fallen from grace. He says, you think that your rule following is bringing you closer to Christ, but it actually is separating you from Christ because you're trusting in your own goodness to save you instead of Christ's finished work on the cross. Instead of surrendering to his work, you're still trying to make it happen with yours. And then look at verse 5 and 6. For we eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. So he says the hope of righteousness comes by faith, and that faith working in our lives is love. It comes out in love. Here's another point to remember. Obedience to Christ isn't the path to salvation. It's the product of salvation. Our obedience to Jesus is not the path to salvation. It's the product of salvation. What that means is so many people think that obeying the scriptures and doing what God tells you to do is what gets you to heaven. No, what Jesus did on the cross is what reconciles us to God. And our faith believing that, that, that that's what he accomplished, that's what brings us into a relationship with God. The obedience is a product of our salvation. It's, it's what he's already done that brings about obedience in our life. Obedience is not the path. Obedience is, is the product. Of our salvation. So here's three things that I want you to remember about legalism. Okay? And and you say, well, how can I spot it? You know, what and, and what are characteristics? In verses 12 and 13, if you flip back over to Galatians 6 and look at verses 12 and 13, um, there's three characteristics that, that I see in those verses that that characterize this legalism that that the Judaizers were trying to bring into the church. One is it's persuasive. Legalism is persuasive. 
um, because legalism is always trying to get more and more people to join in. People who are legalistic are like that. They're constantly shouting from the rooftops that you have to be like me, that you have to you have to serve the Lord like me, you have to look like me, you have to cut your hair like me, you have to do whatever like craziness that that people throw out there and and legalism is persuasive. That's the first thing. Always trying to get more and more people on board with them. Number two, it's partial. Legalism is always partial. It's never consistent. And Paul is saying in verses 13, they want you to keep they want you to to, to keep circumcision or or to pursue circumcision and they don't even, they want you to follow the law, but they're not even following the law themselves. Legalism is always partial. It's never consistent. It focuses on one part of the law while ignoring the rest of it. And guys, I see that in the church so much that if we want to take a stand on biblical truth and we don't want to become legalists, we better make sure that whatever we stand on, we can stand on consistently all across the board. With every with everything, if we say we're gonna we're gonna apply a certain principle to to this area of our Christian walk, we better be able to apply that principle all across the board. Because if we can't, I think we are dangerously approaching this legalism that Paul is talking about. So, three things: one, legalism is persuasive; legalism is partial. It's always inconsistent. And number three, it's prideful. Legalism is not driven by love. It's driven by pride. Uh, It glorifies man's obedience over God's grace and forgiveness. Many people uh, struggle with the idea that they don't have any contribution to give to their salvation. And and that's part of the foolishness of the gospel that people have a hard time understanding is how can I be reconciled to God without having to perform? How how is it that I can be reconciled to God and I don't have to do anything for it? All I have to do is is believe and I can experience that forgiveness and that reconciliation in in faith and I don't have to I don't have to prove myself to God. Like there's nothing that I have to do to to physically keep that. This is the message that Paul is trying to get across to the church, and it's this. If you think, if your picture of salvation, and you need to evaluate this for yourself, if your picture of salvation is that 90% of it is the forgiveness of Jesus and the work of Jesus on the cross, if you're like, 90% of my salvation is in the cross, but maybe 10% of it is me. Like like 10% of it, I'm, I'm responsible for, I've got to... I've got to perform well. I've got to do the right thing. I've got to follow the law, or 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 I'm not really gonna I'm not really gonna be saved. If if ten percent of your salvation is you and ninety percent of it is in Jesus, then the cross does nothing for you. That's what Paul is saying to the to the Judaizers here that that the ones who are trusting, even if it's just ten percent. Even if it's only 1%, if you say, 
If you believe that 1% of your salvation is wrapped up in your works, what you do, and 99% of it is Jesus on the cross, then the cross is still empty to you. It has no power in your life because even that 1% is too much because Jesus is 100%. Salvation that comes through the cross and the finished work of Jesus and the blood that he shed on the cross is 100% salvation, period. There's no 1% that he left for you to do. It's all in him. So let's look now at verses 14 and 15. And then we're going to see what Paul's, he, he's pointed out in 12 and 13, what, um, that, that you guys are, are trusting in your following of the law too much. 1% is even too much. And so now, now he's going to talk about the, the, what the truth is. He said, here's the error in verses 12 and 13. So here's the truth in 14 and 15. Galatians 6 verse 14. But as for me, Paul says, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I don't have anything to boast about. I don't have a 1%. And and, and for me, um, it's 100% the cross. I can't boast in anything of my own. I can't boast in any privilege. And, And folks, Paul was a top shelf Jew. He was he was smart. He was trained. He had followed uh, the law to a T until Christ saved him. But he gave up all that. And he realized that every bit of that effort that he had put in was for absolutely nothing. And everything was in the cross. So he says, I will boast about, I won't boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, the world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world, meaning that the world doesn't have any power over me anymore. The, the, the power of the law and the power that the world has to condemn me is gone because of the cross. I've been crucified to the world and the world's been crucified to me. It doesn't have any power over me anymore because of the cross. And then verse 15, For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is, look at that, is a new creation. He says that is what matters. Um, He says here, here is why the cross is the only thing that matters when it comes to our salvation. Now, I'm going to throw several verses at you right now, but, but they it's almost like a, a trail of clues to get us to the truth of, of, of how does all this connect? How does the cross of Jesus completely work itself out and reconcile us to God? I'm going to throw several verses at you, but and you may want to write these references down and then go back and look at them. I'm going to read them to you, but they all link this thing together, okay? Um, Romans chapter 13 verse 8 let's start there it says do not owe anyone anything except to love one another for the one who loves another has fulfilled 
the law. So, according to Paul in Romans 13, how is it that we fulfill the law? By, by keeping uh, all of the Old Testament commandments, by keeping the laws of the, of the, of the Judaizers and, the, and the, the rabbinical law? No, he says, the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. All right, so now let's go to Galatians, back to Galatians chapter five, verse six. It says, for in Christ, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through what? Love. So in Romans 13, he says, the one who loves another has fulfilled the law and then in Galatians, he says, what matters is faith working itself through love. So when we love, Paul says, that is an evidence of faith working in us. And that faith is when we are in Christ. Verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplish anything. But in Christ, what matters is faith working through love. So Paul has said so far that we fulfill the law by love. Love is faith in action in our relationship with Christ, if we are in Christ. And then look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the same phrase that, that he just used in Galatians 5.6, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. The old has passed away. See, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. In Galatians 6, verse 15, Paul says, For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. He uses that same phrase. So where does new creation come? New creation comes through the cross. We don't have any ability to, to create new life in us because what we learned last week was we are dead. But new creation comes through the cross and when we are newly created through our faith, it comes out of our life in love. In Romans 13, 8, Paul says, the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So what we have is a group of people who rather than trusting in the cross by faith, letting it come out in love, and Paul saying, in love we have fulfilled the law. What did Jesus say when he was asked, what are the greatest commandments? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is all of the law wrapped up into these two commands. And he says, when we fulfill those commands, we fulfill the law. So here are these Judaizers, these legalists, who are like, no, if we want to fulfill the law, you have to be circumcised, and you have to do this and this and this and this. All the while, they're getting themselves nowhere. And what, what Paul is saying is no, you fulfill the law through the love 
that comes out of your life once you experience the cross of Jesus by faith and you become a new creation. Verse 15 again, for both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. That does not matter. What matters instead is a new creation. <laughs> and the only way we can be new creations is through the cross. The cross creates new life in us. The gospel of self-effort has no room for the cross. The cross cannot be a part of the gospel of self-effort. And the same time, the gospel of the cross has no room for self-effort. It is either all the cross or all you. Those are your only two options. So we have to stop thinking that our salvation somehow is wrapped up in our ability to be good enough, to follow God's law strictly enough. Jesus has done all that work for us. Jesus came and lived a perfect life on earth because we couldn't. He was perfectly obedient to the Father and to the law, and he lived that perfect life, and then he gave it up. He gave it up on the cross, literally, so that the credit for his righteous keeping of the law could be imparted to us by faith. So you say, what's the whole, what's the whole point of the message today, Eric? It's this. Who are you trusting? Have you trusted in Christ alone for your salvation? Have you trusted and understood that there is nothing that you can do on your own to earn it or to make yourself more appealing or more acceptable to God, no matter how Christian you think you act or look? Have you been trusting those things on those things? Have you become legalistic in the things you impose on other people? that for them to experience salvation, they have to agree with you all the time? Or have you trusted in the cross? Are you trusting in the finished work of Jesus on the cross? Because that is the only thing that's strong enough, the only thing that's powerful enough. It is all Jesus, and it is only Jesus. Jesus.